Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to this special episode. Now, if you don't know Worksmith, they're a hospitality collaboration space in Collingwood in Victoria. I've known them for the last couple of years. It's an amazing brand. They do so much to help the hospitality industry. And as you might have seen on LinkedIn and on Instagram, we're doing a collaboration series all throughout 2023 where we're rebroadcasting their personal in-live events that they're having during the year. So this one's the first one. So I feel really lucky to sit down with the creative director of Worksmith, Tim Varney. Hey, Tim, how are you? I am very well. Thank you, Sean. Uh, fantastic to have you here, mate. And uh, this was obviously an amazing event and I'd love to hear... Uh, from you, what people can really expect from the next hour or so as they listen to this first Worksmith Community event talk? Yeah, great. Well, we did um, we did a little article on mentorship and coaching uh, last year, and it was very well received. So we decided to do a panel discussion um, on the topic. And so this is how ever considered getting yourself a mentor or coach came about. And so we went out and asked three very talented people in the industry in Beckmel Herbie, Roscoe Power and Kate Langford to join us on the panel and uh, share their experiences and their knowledge on the, on the subject. So, yeah, it was very much about everything from defining coaching and mentorship and how that's sort of different from counselling, you know, what to do in your approach towards a mentor mentor or coach Mm -hmm. and uh, what kind of things you should be asking yourself for instance preparations required I mean Beck shared many stories of her experiences her successes her failures and her her journey Kate was very forthright in her talking of the the 600 plus people that she has to to, to look after and manage uh, on a day-to-day and wow. the importance of trust in that sort of uh, transaction, I suppose. And then we had Roscoe Power, who's a, sort of a shining example of somebody who really sees the the benefits of, of mentorship. And he talked a lot about vulnerability and persistence and, and had some great little uh, gems of wisdom as well. Cool. And obviously hosted by the amazing Danny Valent as well. We're going to start the podcast off now. Uh, with the first question. Thanks very much, Tim. Cheers. Thank you so much, Tim, and uh, thanks to Music Market for having us here. This is a great space. Uh, There's so much to explore at Collingwood Yards. Um, And, yeah, I'm still getting to know it, and I suppose there's new things happening all the time. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Danny Vallant. I'm a local food journalist, um, freelance restaurant critic, uh, podcaster, uh, and I've been super... Um, excited and grateful to host a bunch of these Worksmith forums, which I think are really valuable um, times for the industry to come together, to think about things, to, I I think, um, yeah, you should all feel, I think, really proud of yourselves that you're even here. It's so easy to not go to things. And I think one of the themes of this evening will probably be how valuable it is to take time to think, take stock, forge ahead and we've got the best panel to dig into all this um so i suppose tonight i'll I'll just say a couple of words about what we're talking about then i'll introduce the people that are going to be talking about it sharing their pearls of wisdom so tonight's about self-improvement growth and taking the right steps 
This can be very tricky, both for individuals and for teams. Do we think of our careers just as a series of next things, or should we be strategic? How do we reach our full potential? The idea of mentorship and coaching can sound a bit intimidating. Isn't it maybe something rich people in suits do? But is that really how it is? Is that how it has to be? Are there other ways to be supported, to succeed and strive and gain satisfaction in our work and in our lives? So, unpacking this tonight, Beck Malher. Rebecca has worn many hats over two decades in leadership. Restaurant owner, festival director, team builder, marketing expert and business manager. Beck holds a Master's in Coaching Psychology from the University of Sydney and a Bachelor's in Communications from RMIT. She's trained as a professional coach in London, New York and Singapore with the Coactive Training Institute, globally recognised as the industry's most rigorous training provider. She's a member of the International Coaching Federation and she's the CEO and founder of Silent Partner. She knows this stuff. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Beck. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> Uh, at the other end of the couch, we've got Kate Langford, CEO at The Big Group. Uh, Kate has been CEO of The Big Group for 11 years. How do you do that? <laughs> Overseeing more than 600, uh, a team of more than 600 people who offer a unique, creative and bespoke approach for events big and small. Partnerships with the Australian Open, Victorian Racing Commission, the AFL and the National Gallery of Australia, as well as running their own venues. Um, Kate says um, on her LinkedIn that building honest relationships based on mutual respect is what makes collaboration work. Those values are the compass I've used to steer our team. All power to you, Kate. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> and Roscoe. Um, Roscoe Power, as you know, has been roped in at the last minute, but honestly, he could have been doing this all himself, that, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't need to be here, but I'm glad to be here with him and the others. Roscoe's the co-founder and director of Worksmith. Uh, he has a diverse background across large-scale property, construction and hospitality projects. Having been mentored by some of Australia's most innovative and successful CEOs, he's passionate about utilising the power of collaboration to drive personal and professional growth. Let's welcome Roscoe. I think what we should start by doing is defining coaching and mentoring and also differentiating it from counselling because I think some people often, you know, find that distinction hard to pinpoint. And I thought I might throw this to you first of all, Beck. Thanks, Danny. Um, it's a great question. I think the first... The way I'd probably answer it firstly is to point out the similarities in that all three of them are probably conversation-based modalities, um, usually happens between one-on-one -on -one or one on a small group. Um, they're also probably, I'd say they're not mutually exclusive. I know that in my coaching sometimes I wear a bit of a mentoring hat um, and I know that there's definitely some coaches, some mentors, sorry, especially the ones that sounds like you've had the privilege of working with that uh, wear a coach-like hat in that they sort of ask more than tell. Yeah. Um, that's probably the beginning. Um, coaching, in particular the type of coaching that 
I work in is I would say one of the things that differentiates it from counselling is that it tends to take a, a less of a deficit approach as a lot of like traditional psychology does and is more based in positive psychology and working with our strengths. Um, it's really goal focused. So there's um, and it's usually quite particularly in organisations, it's quite short in an engagement. So it might be something like six to 12 sessions that you might engage in and they're quite focused. Um, how else can I... Oh, finally, I'll probably just add that the um, I work with a psychology basis, which means that the type of coaching that I do really helps to work with you and unpick and reveal how you make meaning in the world and how that might contribute to how you show up at work in relationship to other people and also in relationship to yourself. So I guess there's that level of depth that might not be present in, say, a more casual mentoring relationship. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously we could talk about it, that for about a year, but that's yeah. a really great start. <laughs> okay. Roscoe, how would you define mentoring in, in the way that you've experienced it? Yeah, look, I've always defined mentors as people that inspire me in some way, shape or form. So when aligning myself with a mentor or asking someone for mentorship, there's something about them that I really like that I would like to emulate myself. And so for counselling, for instance, and I've done that, done personal counselling, um, I've seen that more as a clinical thing for something that I need to overcome myself that's getting in the way immediately and usually has some sort of um, mental health association. Whereas with a mentor, it's very much about identifying what is it, what are the qualities of this person that I really like and that I would like to be able to almost extract in some way selfishly for myself. Um, and I've had several mentors that I've been very fortunate um, to align with and you don't have to extract everything. It's like, what do you like about this person or what are the things that they say that really align to you and you take all the best bits and put them together and hopefully build upon that yourself. And so mentorship for me is really aligning or identifying somebody that has great values that you can see commonality in that you would like to um, somehow download from them. And Kate, how would you or how, how does coaching and or mentoring come into your work sort of on a day-to-day -day level? Is it something that you think about consciously or is it something you sort of noticed in retrospect that, oh, I've been a bit of a mentor? Definitely it's a retrospect thing. I think when you first started talking about mentoring and when we were all invited to the panel, it's kind of a bit nerve-wracking because it makes you feel like you're meant to be an aficionado of everything and it's like you're not. Nobody is. We're all still learning. I know people that have mentored me are aspirational people, very much what the other people here have said and it's I've seen inside of them not necessarily a hospitality, how to run a business, there's a different quality that I hope that I can bring to the business that I run so that we can show a different skill set and a different way of looking at things. Um, and in a day-to-day -day basis, I didn't sort of realise, I mean, if there's one person on the panel here who said I was a mentor to her when she worked for me and I, I didn't realise that at the time. And uh, you can sort of explain it a bit more, Beck. Sorry, I didn't tell you at the time. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I mean, we were in 
delivery mode and we sell a product, our product is our people, our, what we're actually putting in front of people and if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And Beck for one came into my business when we were de delivering a really big product which was the Australian Open with no history of our company and what it is that we needed to get and I worked very closely with her and with what she brought, her strengths to make sure that what we got was what the client, the client had asked for. And Beck, what, what was it about that that you saw as mentoring? So many things. Um, I think it's less about what you do, Kate, and more about how you be in the world, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, it, to talk to the doing, like, when, when I worked for you, it was always questions rather than instructions. How are you going? Plus, plus. So, um, what do you think you need to do here? You know, if I'd come to you and say... <laughs> Help, what do I do? It was always it's like, what do you think you need to do? I don't necessarily know the answer. So I need you to reflect on the situation mm. with your skill set and I need to use my experience and let you figure that out, mm. knowing that I kind of know what the end part is, but being a mentor isn't that they're not going to give you the answer to everything. They're going to give you a lens into a situation that you haven't thought of it in that way. Interesting. I mean, I suppose what I'm hearing in that relationship is that there's a lot of trust. Like, mm. Kate, you trusted Beck. Um, I guess you employed her for a reason or she was there for a reason. But I think, um, you know, with trust, there also comes vulnerability. I mean, Roscoe, for yourself, like, how how does vulnerability play into this role of um, working with a mentor? Um, I think... It's, it's an extremely positive thing to be vulnerable no matter what um, and it's an extremely tough place to get yourself into because you often have to have confidence in some way, shape or form to become vulnerable um, and that can be really difficult for, for a number of reasons. But the idea of getting a mentor on board is identifying in yourself that you have room to grow and that should naturally come from a place of vulnerability you always um, grow the most when you're, you're most vulnerable and you expose yourself to it. Um, I know there's a lot of great sayings out there that I couldn't paraphrase for a second, but it's all about removing the shell and exposing yourself to vulnerability, um, which will therefore, or being vulnerable to expose yourself to growth, and that's what will take you to the next level. And I think with a, a mentor, and, and almost um, you touched on something earlier before, Kate, this made me think, it's like sometimes mentors don't even know they're being mentors. They're just people that inspire you um, and you're like, oh, they kind of mentored me and it, maybe they didn't think that they were but there was something that they, they were saying or doing that you're like, oh, wow, if I could just replicate some of that in my own personal or professional life, I feel like I would have grown for it. Um, but it all starts from a place of vulnerability and if you – I'm sure a number of the people that have um, turned up tonight are like, I'm interested in growing. How do I get there or how do I get a mentor on board? And you've taken the first step of going, well, you've identified that you have an area to grow and then you're now trying to look for, well, how do I get somebody to help me take those <coughs> – excuse me – take those next steps um, and what characteristics do you want to build upon, so to speak? I mean, this, um, this panel grew out of an article that was on the Worksmith website that, you know, gained a lot of traction and comment. And there was a quote or there was something that you said, Beck, that was in it. Um, My job is to work with them on their own sense of autonomy, self-awareness and authority. So I think in that we see that, that growth mindset, that's that 
um, looking at what's possible, not what's a de- not what's a deficit. But can you unpack that for us a little bit? You know, what is how does autonomy, self-awareness, and authority—that's that's the most interesting word to me. How does that all come into it? Um, thanks for that. <laughs> My own words back to me. Um, I think maybe a good place to start in answering that question is to look at why those things are important. So when it comes to our workplaces, um, as leaders, we need the people in our teams, particularly in fast-moving environments such as hospitality and events, to be able to make quick, confident and strong decisions all day, every day. Um, That's a lot of pressure on people who are coming up through organisations that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but there's our industry doesn't have a long history of management training or any kind of like leadership training. So I think it's really important that we as um, leaders and also as anyone operating in our own careers and in our own workplaces um, do feel that level of confidence around how we make decisions, like having reference points for that. That's a lot of the the work that I do, helping people really discover what's important to them, what's meaningful to them about their work and their role and the organisation that they operate in, really helping them to sort of not only uncover that stuff but feel really confident in it so that when when they're on the fly, which so many of us are on a minute-by-minute basis, they can we can make decisions quickly and confidently. Um, I think that happens at every level of our career. Um, But I think as we sort of progress in competency, we notice it less. Like we're all probably operating pretty quickly. But um, what were those three words that I said again? Autonomy. Self-awareness and authority. Yeah, so I think the self-awareness bit is about what's important to you. How do you want to show up for yourself? How do you want to show up for your team? How do you want to show up for your organisation? Like it, it happens on multiple levels and then being able to like really own that and operate with a level of autonomy which we all have in our career Mm. like even waiters from day one when you're a baby waiter you start off with a level of autonomy that might be greater than anyone in any sort of corporate organization Um, but really cultivating that so that you can go out and do it quickly and confidently um, and efficiently as possible it's uh, um, Kate, you spoke when we had a, a pre-chat about the way that you uh, use personality tests as part of an employment and getting to know people tool. Can you share that with the group? I think it's, yeah, so... That might be really unique to our culture, but anybody that knows anything about our brand is we're quite fun and we're innov- innovative. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take our work incredibly seriously. So if we say we're going to deliver on something, we want to deliver. So we need to understand who we're playing with in the sandbox because I don't want 50 me's. I'd be so annoying. I don't want 50 Roscoe's. I don't want 50 Beck's. So when we employ somebody, one of the first things we do is we get them to take that 16 personalities. We look at their strengths just as a matter of, you know, what that is. But then we look at their weaknesses. 
and uh, uh, it's sort of big learnings are had in that because my personality type is a bit bulldog, which is I'm happy to have you on board, but if we've got to get to the end, we're going to get to that journey. And I know that, Danny, I might say something to you and you have to process it for a day. I know now every morning I walk in that office, I go and say hello to everybody. How are you today? Was there anything yesterday that didn't resolve for you? Because I've forgotten yesterday. If somebody asked me what happened yesterday, I'm like, what day was it? Like, like, there's just so much going on, but you process differently and I need to understand that. So I always look to what my weaknesses are, especially in leadership, so that I can better lead the people that are sitting inside of there and trust that they can do their job. They just don't do it the same way I do. They're, they're really great, those personality tests. And one thing that I, I learned they're from... they're free. Yeah, they can, they can be free. Sometimes you can pay a small amount of money. It's always under sort of 600 bucks if, to do it. But it's always your baseline. So it doesn't actually reflect on where you are today or where you're going, but it can also help you identify. It's like I'm naturally uh, not empathetic or whatever. So going into an organisation, it's like, well, you just need to be aware of it so then you can um, you can slot in and you can be empathetic when required. But it's all about awareness, isn't it? And, and it's also so your manager, your person that you're looking to for some mentoring can help focus you into mm. and can sort of support that part of it. I love what you said about awareness because the first level before you even get to thinking about how other people operate is for so many people is working out that not everyone thinks the same way as them. Like that's like the first thing and that's so I, – I remember the first time I did that in my early 20s in a construction company actually <laughs> and um, everyone's minds were blown. Oh, my God, I get it. You're a green person. That's why you're not coming along for the ride so quickly. Yeah, it's interesting because it, I mean, it definitely um, brings in that that self awareness, which which we learnt is so important for growing. Uh, but it also suggests a kind of um, a, a level playing field in a way, like a team. Like, do you think it's possible for mentoring to be collegial, or do you think there is something inherently hierarchical about it? No, absolutely. It's I don't see it as hierarchical at all. As I definitely see mentoring can come. Some of the best moments come from people that shine the mirror back at you. And, and that is somebody that's come in and looked at it differently. And by far I would never say, don't always look up. Look to the side, look to a different industry. Look for something that makes you, uh, uh, maybe this is my personality, emotionally attached to, that could actually make me better. Uh, I've learned some of the best things from people that are 20 years younger than me. And... I might throw this to you, Roscoe. What do you think about looking for mentors or coaches from within the industry that you're working in or without, from, from outside? Yeah, look, I can say this with confidence that it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be so specific that, you know, if you're a chef and you want to become a better chef, like, you need to get a chef who's a mentor. It's like, it, it should be broader than that. It should be... Where am I as a human being? Where do I want to get to? Again, seeing something in someone else that really inspires you and wanting to download it from them. And often they're more than happy or to, to give you that. Um, how do I become more empathetic, empathetic that I mentioned before? How do I become better at setting goals? How do I... Whatever it is that you feel like that's holding you back, um, a mentor can give you the guidance or at least a little bit of an idea of the pathway to get there. Ultimately, you still need to go there yourself, but sometimes you need somebody to sit you down and help you figure out what is the next 
five years look like? What does the next 10 years look like? And just taking a little bit of time out, I mean, in my experience with mentors anyway, it's been about an hour uh, once a month that they'll sit down with you. Um, depending on their workload, it might be less, it might be more. Um, but you have an hour to sort of sit down every month, if you're lucky, like I was, and figure out, well, what's the destination look like? And often you can sit down and if you can really think about it over the period of four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it might be, you can start to sketch out where is it that you want to be in a best case scenario. And often your mentor will just help you draw that vision out of yourself and then also help you understand what are the tweaks that you need to make along the way. So my, I myself was lucky that I had a mentor uh, who eventually became an investor and partner in, in, in Worksmith. Uh, seven years ago, helped me set my 10, 5, 3, 2, 1 year goals. This is when I was 26 years old and I'm uh, 34 now. And I just he just helped me envisage what life looks like in 10 years, which is only three years away from now. I'm not saying this is what every mentor does, by the way, but this is my experience. You had some great mentors. I, I, I was very fortunate. Um, but really just at a best case scenario, and I guess what I'm trying to, the feedback I'm trying to give is, imagine what your life will look like in a period of time, best case, and work towards that. Because there's no reason, it hasn't happened yet, as to why that can't happen. And often your mentors can help you remove the little roadblocks in the way that exist. But it should always be a, a decent period of time. It should be one, minimum one year, maximum 10. And if you're working with great people, they'll help you pull out those little roadblocks and, and lift the brake off, so to speak. Yeah, that sounds like a really great series of mentors that you've had. And, I mean, for the mentor to then become an investor... I mean, you, you do get a sense that this re relationship, these relationships can be very reciprocal. It's not um, this bestowing of wisdom from on high. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're getting something out of it as well. And it should be without expectation. That was just an of extraordinary course. set of circumstances yeah. came together. But this is, again, one of those things. It's like you can't always write down what exactly is going to happen. But you should also look back and go, what is... What, what is just something that's unbelievable that happened and that would be sit in that category for me. So that would also say that Michael, uh, my co-founder, and I was also operating outside of our comfort, comfort zone and being innovative too because we didn't predict that that was going to happen. Um, so some things like that can happen. It's probably a, quite a rare thing, but um, it should really be on the basis that um, on the, the relationship that you have with that person and the things that you respect about them rather than anything that may lay down their head like an, an investment or something yeah, reciprocal. Of yeah. <laughs> no, we're, not, we're not seeking that, but it's just... It's, it's a good outcome if it happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, Beck, um, I know you don't coach and tell, but <laughs> I think it would be great for people to get a sense of some of the outcomes or the pathways that you're able to assist people along. Um, do you have any, you know, great stories about your work as a coach? I mean, personally, I just get to... It's funny, on your point, I was talking to someone recently. I have clients in the States and Australia and I was joking that my clients in the States often need space to be... Like, coaching provides them with some space to be a little bit vulnerable mm. and unsure and my clients in Australia need space to dream big and, like, come up with, you know, I mean tall puppy syndrome is alive and thriving in our country and, you know, giving people the space to actually 
a dream beat is such a cheesy term, but like really actually imagine, you know, what if. One of my clients I'm working with at the moment, um, a restaurant uh, with two co-founders, and yes, I don't coach and tell. <laughs> um, one of the first exercises that I did with them, which was, you know, I'm engaged in a business coaching capacity with them, was getting them to each think about what they want to be in their lives personally in 10 years' time. Um, they were so excited by the exercise. I was like, what, did you think I was about to get the P&L out and start <laughs> forensically going through the bottom line? Um, They'd really never given themselves to a chance to actually think, you know, the first few years of their business are as fast moving as any startup business. They'd never given themselves a chance to think about what they wanted the business to look like in 10 years, let alone what they wanted their personal lives to look like, which, you know, when you're a founder is one and the same, really, a lot of the time. So um, I get to be part of just that exploratory process um, and then kind of starting to close the gap between how that happens. So that's like on an organisational level. Um, I guess, you know, I work with people in all different levels of their career as well. So um, I've just started working with a lot of my clients are in their, my one-on-one -on -one clients are in their 40s, but I'm starting to work with, you know, most of my work is word of mouth. So a group of like um, younger women, they've, I've been referred from one to another and I mean, I'm so envious that they're in their late 20s and they're getting to start really, mm. like, give themselves permission to actually think that far forward. Um, really think about what excites them, what they want to do, not just what the world thinks they should do. And really plan that with the support of someone. So... I don't know if that answers your question, but that's yeah, pretty thri pretty thrilling to. It's very inspiring. Be part of that. Very exciting. Yeah, my clients are the inspiring people, you know, just along for the ride. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, to be helping them along that ride. I mean, that just does sound yeah really thrilling, like very satisfying work. Um, you, you're working. You're, you're you're looking now at a lot of high achievers in terms of sports people. You said astronauts. Like, how are you bringing in some of these insights from other fields into the work that you're doing? There's so much cool research out there that we can learn from. Um, there's a guy called Steve Bull who wrote a book called The Game Plan. I don't know if anyone's heard it, but he was a sports psychologist that started to bring um, uh, lessons from the field cricket, different sports that he operated in, into organisations. And um, there's, you know, like sport, elite sport, like any endeavour, high aspirational endeavour, like running a restaurant or a hospitality business, um, provides such little space for reflection. So I think that one of the things that I, like one of the, the frameworks that I, take most from sports psychology is around um, designing dreams um, and designing uh, personal strategies for like revisiting them and chunking them down to like how often do you look at this? What does that look like if you want to be at that point in three, five, ten years? What does that look like on a minute-by-minute -minute basis in your life? Like and actually like really planning that level of intentionality um, if you think, like, often we talk about elite sports people, 
when they're at that elite level, it's and I would say this for any leader in business, particularly hospitality, is that um, it's less about the technical moves you're making and more about the, the mental adjustments that you're making. So I think the lessons that we can take from sports psychology and high performers in music and arts and ast astronaut land, ast astronaut space, land. space. <laughs> lessons from space, <laughs> um, you know, grab them, let's take them. Let's let them move us forward. I've, got a, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people um, as a journalist and I, I reckon the person that I was most excited about, like uh, I've interviewed, you know, film stars and, and famous chefs, but the person that I got really jittery interviewing was Andy Thomas, the Australian astronaut. And I was just sitting there with him at a cafe um, and just asked the dumbest questions like, have your sunglasses been to space? <laughs> But there is something about that. That is a high achiever, like someone who's done a spacewalk. Like they've really, they've done the stuff to get there. And I was just, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I find, you know, 10-year plans very overwhelming and intimidating. Like I feel like how would I really know? I'm very much in the thick of it. Kate, I'll maybe throw this to you. Like, I mean, you're, you know... You're very successful, you're a CEO, you've been doing it for ages, you know, people really look up to you. But, I mean, can you be in um, a bit of a mad scramble and either seek a mentor or be a mentor? Like how, you know, I feel like, you know, would I have to be a completely different person to play, you know, this role? The answer is succinctly no. Um, in that, I, I think part of this conversation here is hospitality is a profession. It's a profession like an astronaut, like a scientist, like a psychologist. And we are here, we have a purpose, we have a goal. We're about delivery, we're about experience, we're about making sure it is the most amazing experience. I kind of lost where I was going with that, but I just wanted to say we build a trust. And I think a lot of this mentorship and um, certainly when I walked around the office today because it sort of gave me a chance to reflect and go, do you have a mentor? Have you ever asked for one? How would you ask for one? And I sort of started getting my little Cliff's notes for tonight. And a lot of them it was about trust yeah. and wanting to gain trust to make those fast-paced decisions. And a lot of people say to me, you give me a lot of space to breathe. It's like because we're constantly asking questions. I'm trying to understand where you're at. And then I'm like, oh, they're fine. They'll figure that out. And it, it, that was probably the biggest thing that I heard inside the office was the trust, mm. building trust. Yeah, and I think um, a 10-year plan sounds scary, but um, a 10-year vision um, may be a better way to put it. Yes. Um, and giving yourself permission to dream. Um, trying to come up with a plan how to get there is exhausting, but you can just dream of what that looks like and, nothing, and no one can tell you what it does or doesn't look like except for you. Um, and, and, and it's about building, uh, well, for me, a really successful business. That's my 10-year plan. That's my 20-year plan. Yeah. It's the 31 and I'm probably going to be pretty bloody tired by then. But <laughs> that's what it is. So what are, the, what are the blocks that we can build the best business, be the best at what we do, be the, the leaders in industry? Mm. And that's the 10 years because 10 years to me, I'm foggy. I'm like, yeah. oh, that just sounds hard. Yeah. I always start with feelings. Like how do you want to feel when you're – like in 10 years' time when you're at work? Excited to you come know, to work yeah. because you love you the people that, that you work with. I want to work with people that are passionate about what they do. 
Um, we're going to open it up to questions soon, so, so have your questions ready. But I feel like perhaps I'm anticipating something that people will be wondering is, you know, how, how do they start and what are some brass tacks? Like is a mentor, a, a, you know, you're not paying a mentor but you're paying a coach? I mean, what are some of the different dynamics that um, can be caught up in if you start to think about these things? Find someone that inspires you and just ask them to go out for a coffee. Like, that's where it starts. And you'll be so surprised how many um, C-suite executives um, don't get asked out for coffee by their, their staff and they probably go, oh, you know, <laughs> am I not inspiring them? I'm not saying this happens at all in your, in your, um, in your group, but um, a lot of people just don't reach out or, or just have the confidence to go and have a coffee with them. Who's the high performer? Who's someone that does something that you really respect? Take them out for coffee and just get to know them um, and you'll be surprised where it, where it goes from there. Don't tell them you want to get married, though, beforehand. Or yeah. you want to <laughs> no, just date. Or you want, just a, or you want a, an 18-month mentoring yeah. arrangement from the get set. Yeah, because don't maybe, I think, yeah. you know, mentor any kind of engagement that you go into, whether it's coaching or mentoring takes so much effort on your behalf too so I think like that first coffee you want it to be a bit of a chemistry check like do I like you as much as you like me you know and like I, mean, I don't know if I could add something to that like yeah don't go looking for someone to be a mentor for a year like yeah. look for someone to have a coffee with yeah. Yeah. don't ask you too know. much I know when I've been asked could you mentor me I mean I love it I, I, I'm passionate about building the best people in hospitality I think we're just so lucky to be able to deliver Australia's got to stand for good hospitality mm. we've got to bring people on the journey with us but if somebody asks me if I can do it on a Friday night over a glass of wine which sounds absolutely wonderful I'm either a running uh, events checking on the business or I've got a family and I'm happy to do a coffee first thing in the morning after I've gone to the gym and I've to sort of read the room on it and set your level of expectation. If you want to do a co if you want to sort of just test the water, have you got 20 minutes for a coffee in the morning? I'd just love to pick your brain on a couple of things. That's pretty approachable. If you then sit there and go, how about on a Friday night we go out to this and say, oh, <laughs> this is too far, too far, too far, too fast. What about you, Beck? Like how you've said you get a lot of referrals. Like what's the starting point? I have a usually Zoom meeting with anyone who's referred to me. Like I'm always happy to have a coffee online with someone. It's quite easy. Um, that, did that sound mean? Is that mean? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean if it's a work engage, you know, if it's someone that's interested in coffee, in um, coaching, I'm always happy to have a coffee. Um, I live in Sydney at the moment, so, you know, a lot of my clients are in Melbourne as well, so that's why the online element is there. Um, and I have a couple of – I have three questions that I usually send people before they meet with me, which is to help both of us along. Um, and they're around, you know, what are you hoping to get out of coaching and how do you want things to be different at the end of our work together? Um, all those questions are less about putting people on the spot and more about, you know, getting the reflexive muscles, reflective muscles working – um, but they also help to give both of us an understanding of what success in this relationship looks like. Mm. Um, and I still think that, that they're probably two good questions to start with. 
whether you're looking for a coaching engagement or a mentoring thing like what do you what do you want to get out of it like I think as someone going out there and reaching out to someone it's our responsibility to have a little bit of a think about what what we're looking for because the more specific you can get with someone the better it's impressive it looks like you've done a little bit of soul searching and a little bit of thought around why you've chosen them as well um I I have to add though that I think this comes from maybe three or four really failed attempts at reaching out at mentors in my career. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate. I've got a, I've had a couple of really great mentors, including Kate on this panel, um, that have all come out of quite organic situations. Um, but I have tried to reach out to a few people and I, I think I did a really bad job of it. I think I, um, I just didn't really know what I wanted out of the relationship. I didn't even know what I wanted out of the coffee. And one of them in particular I I was reflecting upon recently, it was about 20 years ago, I still cringe, thinking about how this guy who was on the 63rd floor of some really impressive building and I worried about what I was going to wear, not about what I was going to ask him when I got there and I just sat in front of him and I didn't really know why I was there. So um, I don't know, That's I guess that's what I would say. Just think about what, what would be a really good outcome from this. And then approach the person, the right person for that, rather than just anyone who looks like they're doing something. Which talks to your original point around someone who's got a little something that you're after more of. Yeah, um, I think my my first uh, major mentor, or sort of almost a more formal mentorship outside of people that I just really admired and liked hanging out with. I mean, that can also just be a mentorship too, right? Just catching up regularly and and um, talking about work or personal life or whatever it might be. Um, but I think I had to call or text him like 30 times, um, which might seem pretty um, excessive, but it was in, in his own... And I kind of knew the way he operated. It's like he wanted to say that I really wanted it before he was actually like, okay, well, I'll commit the time to you. Um, and so it wasn't harassment. It was just like, oh, you know, if you're ready like, to catch up at some point in time or I'm in Sydney or whatever it might be, I'm around um, and not having like, again, I, th- I think um, someone nailed it before, but it's like not without a specific intention in there as well. It's like relationships are built when you're not specifically asking for something. you got to kind of remember that as well. And then the ask comes later after the relationship's been built. So maybe start with building the relationship a little bit and but also at the same time, if you're asking someone who's very busy, it's like you kind of want to know what you're after. Um, but there's just a bit of balance there. You just kind of use a bit of common sense would be uh, my advice. So you'd, you'd need to have a little bit of go with the flow but also a little bit of intention, like to not go in completely confused, like I'm lost, help me, help me find my path. Yeah, and I mean, if it, like you might just be looking at someone at LinkedIn and you go, oh, they're really impressive, I want to be like them. Probably try and figure out a pathway to get to know them through someone else for a warm introduction would be like try and figure out what type of person they are because if it feels like it's very cold they are a very cold introduction then they're going to be like well why are we here because i run my day down to 15 minutes you know 15 minute blocks Um, and that can be like for someone who's being really vulnerable and like out there for a mentor for someone to treat you like that you're not going to feel great about it afterwards and that's a risk um sorry sorry Sorry. I, i think when i said like think about what you need it's more like are you looking for 
suggestions of pathways mm, of things yeah. that you could do with your skills or are you like a woman that's in a male-dominated industry and you're looking for hints of how to position better position yourself for roles or you know like just that yeah. kind of level of like this is sort of what I need help with and I thought you as someone who has forged that career in that kind of area has done really beautifully um I'd just love to hear from you your journey yeah um I think if someone said something like that to me, it'd be a lot less intimidating than, or less pressure than, can I pick your brain? Pick your brain's a bit. Yeah. We're getting you, you granular don't want to go here, and say, aren't I we? want to make a million dollars in a year. Can you help me? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> mm, there are plenty of people on Instagram who reckon I, they can I, do that for can you. Can you mentor me, Roscoe? <laughs> <laughs> um, one more question, then I'll open it out to the floor. And it's a bit of a general one, but I mean, what if someone's sitting there and they feel like, yeah, they they're not, they're still a bit confused. You know, they're they're not quite ready to do that outreach, or they're not sure who to reach out to. Is there any other steps they could take in terms of, you know? TED Talks, books, you mentioned book, um, mm. podcasts, like, yeah, where can we go, Kate? Well, I look at stuff like that all the time because my focus and the focus for the 10, 20, 30 years is the art of hospitality. How do we get better at it? How do we create a better experience for our clients? And quite often TED Talks, like that 11 Madison Park YouTube that he did of, you know, what they did for the critics that came in that sat there. I literally use that as a warm-up event for staff when we're going into a major event to say, this is the way they think. This is this is how we get this art of hospitality to be better. There's so much out there. We are so lucky that you can sit and watch that at 5.30 in the morning if you're getting up. You can listen to it in the car on your way in. I don't read a lot of books because that to me sounds like a, a holiday, like um, I've actually got spare time, but there's definitely a lot of listening what about um, Keith McNally on Instagram? I love the staff reports from Balthazar. <laughs> we also have staff reports. They are amazing. I I'm going to put them in a book one day. Yeah. Take all the names of the clients out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's throw it over to the floor. Who's got questions for our esteemed panellists? Thank you. Hello, Shannon from Smith and Daughters. Um, <clears throat> just a little backstory, I guess, before my question is: um, I've been cooking since 1996 and was thrown in the deep end massively, and never was mentored, never had a head chef. Kind of got thrown into leading roles before I was ready for sure, and kind of just—it's not really imposter syndrome, I guess, but that whole thing of kind of like. Not sure how I managed to make this work, but I did. So fucking bingo, you know, awesome. Daughters came about um, nine years ago and kind of blew up into its own thing. And then the deli, COVID hit, I guess. I got cancer twice in three years. Shit went fucking AWOL. Then for some reason, I opened up a space twice the size of my original during all that, which I think was... Maybe the drugs that were doing that to me. I don't know why. And the government was lending money. So I'm like, yeah, let's borrow 700 grand and open a new venue. And I'm kind of, I'm probably not the only person that feels this way, but since COVID, kind of experiencing this fatigue of reinvention, you know, like the whole way through COVID, okay, cool, we're going to be a Savlaki shop this week. Cool. Now this week we're going to do this. And I kept 50 staff employed during the whole of lockdown and it's kind of bitten me in the ass now. 
uh, but at the time it was really imp important to me. And now I'm kind of in this position where the treatment's over and I've had my surgery and, you know, I'm probably two months off getting back to where I was. But I'm feeling slightly mentally drained in, like, right, how do I continue to push, continue to be innovative? Um, and I don't know... Like, I'm looking for someone to help me see the holes in my business, see what I'm lacking, see what I can do to continue to grow because I know my brand is a good one and it's a strong one, but it could be better. And I think, you know, I've got Deb here who's my best mate that became my GM because I just couldn't do everything during treatment and stuff. And um, I think I feel like I need fresh eyes to look in because there's only so many times you can print out the P&Ls and the GPs and look at your wage costs and your accountant's telling you you need your wages lower. You're like, yeah, well, I fucking know I need the wages lower. Like, you don't need to tell Every me. Accountant says Every that, accountant says that, Yeah, you know, when they email us and say, we need, to, we need to have a little chat and talk about cash flow and wages, I'm like, no point, because I already know what you're going to tell me. 40% is too high. I know, I know. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you're employing people that haven't got the skills because they're not there, so you're employing two people to do one person's job, it's just kind of like a really tricky position to be in. And I feel like I need someone at this point to just take a look with eyes that don't have an emotional con emotional connection maybe to the business or have seen everything and be like, this is this is not working here. Have you thought about that? And I d is that a mentorship um, situation or is that a council like yeah I'm sort of trying to figure out who's the right person to bring in and just sort of help me find where we can be improving and I think too because I've been put in this position as like a sole business owner with no investors no nothing I've got to continue to be like this pillar of strength that shows no no fear no shaking has the answers to everything but then you know I go home I'm like it needs to be better than this. Like, why am I still, like... And, I, and, you know, social media, like, businesses all seem to flourish, but I know the reality of it. Like, we're actually not flourishing, you know. Um, it's very easy to look successful when you're on the computer, but when you look in your books or you look at anything, you're, like, just scraping through. And I need to figure out how to bring this brand that I know is good to here, and I'm just running out of ideas at this point. Um, and whether it's just someone asking me the questions, and I've probably got the answers... Mm. But I just – and I don't know what the sort of person is that I need to be searching for to help me get to that point. Uh, you're a legend, Shannon. <laughs> I love agree. you. Um, My I feel like exactly there's – I mean, there's so many – I feel like you'd all have stuff to say on this. But perhaps just to um, pick it out, like you must see people coming to you with this in this sort of um, – swirl of just in the weeds with so much to think about so I'd love you to pick up on that Beck and then Kate I'd love you just to pick up on being that strong leader when you know that you're paddling madly underwater just that con that um, that combination of vulnerability and strength that leaders need to balance but start with you Beck. Long time fan <laughs> of your work. Um, and just of what you just said as well, um, because it's really real and it's really timely. And I think one of the things that I love about like what I get to do every day is that there's heaps of space to acknowledge like to we coaching is good. Coaching is supposed to meet you where you're at. You know, that's it. Like. It just 
or mentoring, anything, um, or just friends. <laughs> you know, just meet you where you're at and look at what you feel like you need now. Um, you know, I'm hearing you say you probably need a break. <laughs> um, also, like, a little, like, a big dose of celebration of what you've managed to overcome personally and professionally um, and an acknowledgement of, like, all of the the things that you had to do and the ways that you had to be in order to kind of get to this spot, um, not just your business. You know, so much of business coaching is working... It's, it's about working with people, not working with businesses, even though businesses are a collection of people, but particularly working with business founders. Um, I don't know if this is your question, but, like, if, if I was working with you it's like it's just let's just take stock and look at what's here now um and what what's working because there will be so much we you know our brains are negatively geared it's so easy for us to move into a space where it's like what what's not working what do I fix where are the goals gaps that I have to fill you know I had a restaurant it's like I, I used to do that in my sleep <laughs> you know and it's like um it, like what's working is something that like we forget to ask ourselves and I don't mean that in a Pollyanna sort of ignore the negatives or the opportunities way. I mean like really celebrating like what are we doing really well? Like where are our strengths as a business? Where are my strengths as a business owner right now? Mm. The The beautiful thing about taking stock is that the answers to that question will be different to what they were before COVID. They'll probably be different to what they were a year ago before your last round of chemo. What, like where are the, where are you at today? Um, and you just start there and you you do that work with someone that you trust, um, someone that you like, someone that you want to have chats with um, and you just go from there. Yeah, because ironically my brother is a CEO of McDonald's Australia <laughs> and um, he's a total gatekeeper in any information and, you know, he's, it's... Like I'm recipes? Uh, I've got a... Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Have you tried our vegan nuggets? <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's a total gatekeeper of all information and I remember when I was first thinking about opening daughters, he told me that a vegan business was, was not sustainable and it was a really stupid idea, so I was kind of like, fuck you, man. <laughs> you know, um, so someone that should be easily accessible to me in terms of, like, we're having family dinner and I should be able to ask him something, It's it's it's... The, the way that my family, I guess, refers to my business is in such a, like, you know, I'm the only one that doesn't own a house yet, and even though I'm the oldest child, the only one that doesn't own a house, the only one, and that, that hospitality is kind of like a cute, like a, just sell it, Shane, just sell it. Just get out of it. It's too much work. It's too much this. Um, I guess people that have not come from our industry don't understand that there's that passion in you that, like, cool, I'll sell it, and then what? This, this is what I do. This is what I wake up to do. I love it. I don't want to do anything else. And I didn't get into it for the money. Obviously, none of us do get into this for the money. Like, so it's trying to... I'm not even trying to prove anything to them. I just, in myself, the amount of work that goes into the day-to-day -day of running a business and the stress that goes behind it, it's got to be worth it in the end somehow. It can't just be constant stress and, mm. and like, fuck, I fucked up again. I made the wrong call. Shit. Like, it, I want to be able to finish the day positively going like we've nailed it we've got it like this is great you know and we're on the right path 
So I guess, again, just That's trying to start. It sounds like you've got a bit of an idea of how you want to be feeling at the end of each day. Yeah, I know exactly how I want to feel and I know where I want to be, but I need the direction of, like, using what I already know and that how... how to, I don't know, there's something there that's stopping me from growing... And it's probably a financial thing too. And I think my whole family has been a pretty fiercely independent business people. Mm. Never had investors. I bought out my business partner a few years ago. And I'm only just coming around to the terms of the fact that... Like when I first opened Daughters, I thought everyone just owns their own business. Yeah. Themselves with their own money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like they went to the bank and they took out the 25 grand. And I bought Ikea stools and sanded off the logos for the first Smith & Daughters. So no one would know that I had no money to buy furniture. Mm. And I thought everyone did that. And, you know, the more people I talk to, they're like, fuck, no, that's not how this works. You don't have someone paying for that? I'm like, no, I have nothing. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, sometimes I've got to top up the staff wages with my personal money because we didn't make enough that week. And that is still an ongoing thing for us and just a reality of, I guess, what's happening at the moment. Um, you know, day trade's kind of shit. Nights are good. Day trade is a bit slow still. So... Just, I guess, someone that knows more than me because I'm always the one that people come to ask for advice and I don't have anyone to ask advice from. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you did do so much. Um, as you said, you know, progress so quickly and uh, you're such an inspiration to so many people. But I think sometimes it's, 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 you're a leader as well, but it's really hard for leaders to look for someone to, to you know, to look up to and to, to help them take that next step. But I feel like you're doing that. Um, Kate, do you want to just have a word on on leadership and that mm. yeah, just um, playing those different roles, or you know, being in a feeling but playing a role? I certainly hear you. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think coming to something like this is a, probably the best start. You know what you're good at. You know what your team's good at. You've got to rely on your team. You've put them there for a reason. You've employed them, and you know what the goal is. And I, I've been in many situations. We've picked up a job and freaking Doha and done a royal wedding three weeks later with no supply chain, no staffing, no infrastructure. We knew what the goal was and how we were going to deliver it. And I'd say go back to about what do you enjoy about what you do? What are the strengths inside of that business? Yes, we've all got weaknesses. We spend a lot of time navel-gazing the bad shit. And that's okay to have a bit of that, but you've got to elevate the strong part of the business. And you need just a little bit, honestly, I feel like some business coaching that just sort of somebody that tells you that I've got many people that we promote into management that have no leadership training and they got there because they're good at what they do and then they get there and they're like, all these people report into me? I don't know how to talk to them. What if I've got to tell them that they've done a the wrong thing? So we spend, and that's, Obviously, in your hustle and bustle of getting there, you've just taken every single one of those pillars, not necessarily with the skill set, which is fine. That's totally fine. But let's figure out what works in that business and elevate that part of it because that's going to be what lifts you to the next level. Yeah. And I guess it's a... mentor or a counsel is the, sort, the right sort of thing to be looking for, or a coach is the right right sort of person to be looking for. Yeah, I, I would... If that was our business and we were... Fo first of all... I, somebody outside of your business is not going to be emotional about it. Mm -hmm. And you exactly. absolutely need that because you're a founder, owner, you live, you yeah. breathe, your money's coming out of your pocket. Mm. Every time you make a decision, it's based about your pocket that is sitting outside. Uh, I work for a founder. I don't own the big group and I'm that person that reported into you and it's so much easier for him to have... Uh, and we did some pretty horrible things to survive COVID mm. and... 
yes, I dealt with a founder who probably was broken and crying, but we were making decisions to save the business and it's, and he loves this industry. I love this industry and I was like, you need to trust that we're going to get this here and we will. And we've come out that other side fatigued, mm-hmm. exhausted because we've had to listen to the thousands of stories of our staff that went without pay uh, and I'm talking about ones that couldn't get the government subsidy and all these horrible shit shows we cut off businesses that were personally attached to our owner we're like that's done that's dust to get rid of that without thinking about how long that's taken him to build it 35 mm-hmm. years but you're in a position now where you're set for growth you need to focus on those strengths and you need to get a bit of coaching about how do i elevate it because you've got a great product yeah and and you should be able to grow that yeah, and I'd, I'd also say as well, and congratulate, congratulations on getting to where you have got and getting through that. It's an extraordinary uh, story um, and one of unbelievable resilience. Um, I have a business partner that's in hospitality, so I can speak on behalf of almost him and what I see and coming in from a different side, but um, him and I are extremely complementary to each other. And so we've been able to really find out um, through a lot of digging down, it's like, what don't we want to do? Like... You know, what we, I think all of us agree, what we don't want to happen is the last five years mm-hmm. or even the last 10 years is like, it's crazy to repeat that again because it's like, and probably why a lot of people here, it's like, how can I make the, the next 10 years better? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a lot of reflection on, well, what don't we want to do? What position I don't want to find myself in if um, something horrible like sickness happens to me? Like, what, what are the things that I really just can't handle going forward? And being okay with pulling all those things out and going, well, I need someone or something to fix that so I can focus on what gives me energy going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly because being a sole trader as well as that um, mentorship or business coaching kind of, for me, hearing that gets mixed into one together, like it's all in one big pot because it's what you do every second of the day. Um, I'll try and break out what Shannon wants to do as a human being for the next 10 years and then look at how does the business work in with that? Because you can make those decisions for the business to work to help you go where you want to go and not the other way around. Yeah. Are there any other questions? Yeah. Hello, my name's Paul. Um, I just have a question in terms of Myself, I'm a, a venue manager, or like just a manager of a bar, and there's a few other people in the crowd that are. Um, in terms of you being mentors, how would you go about saying to someone like me, if I came to you as you were my mentor, about taking the next step in terms of adulthood, almost like trying to buy a buy a house, trying to get a loan for a house, in terms of uh, in stop renting, trying to get your own place, trying to get your foot in the door for real estate. Like, we love the industry that we're in, but it's not the most high-paying industry we're in. Do you have any advice for someone like me, specifically that's trying to buy like a, like a one-bedroom apartment? Like, what's the best advice that you could give to me in terms of getting your foot in the door for that aspect of their personal life while still working in hospitality? 
I'll start. We had three people in our company buy a house last year and I referred them straight into our CFO. I said, you need to sit down, you need to open book it with him. I said, this is your personal, he's going to have an offline conversation with you to go for 20 minutes, helped with a mortgage broker, helped them with questions that they didn't know. I, that's not my skill set, that's not my wheelhouse, but I certainly connected them and if you need to be connected, you might think we've got everything, we don't. But I certainly know that my CFO checks in on them, knows the interest rates rise, has the thing, has a vested interest in what is happening inside of theirs because he gets it inside and out. So maybe you're actually just asking us, do we know somebody that could help you? Because when you don't know where to start on that, it's like, I mean, I sit in a shared office with my CFO. In fact, the whole office is shared, but we sort of sit together. I'm at my desk and I'm listening to them. What's a mortgage broker? Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, great. Yeah, you need to find somebody that knows. So you need to speak to your, uh, even whoever's paying the bills in yours. Uh, I would be going to somebody that talks about money, that's watching it, that's looking at it all the time. And they, they know it literally within 15 minutes. And now we've got three staff members that are so happy, so happy because they're in their own little space. And he told them, this is what you need to do. And I heard him talking about 5%, 6%. We need to see whether your salary does this. Like He knew exactly what he was talking about and put them in a very comfortable situation. I think it goes back to what Roscoe was saying at the beginning about vulnerability and about identifying people who may know something that you don't or have a quality that you, you don't or you don't yet. Um, it's, uh, yeah, just start asking, like, what don't you know, um, who might know or who might be able to point you in the direction of somebody that has those answers. Can I add something to that? Of course. I, th I think that um, one of the things, one of the concepts that sits at the heart of all of what we're talking about mm. is acceleration. So um, you could work out exactly the best mortgage broker to work with over time like it could take you 15 years of like maybe once a year spending some time doing some research but I think the cool thing about getting a mentor getting a coach or getting a mortgage broker is you can get some momentum mm -hmm. and whatever step that you take obviously I have a bias in my own lane but it's like anything that you can do that can get you moving to the next step, even if it's just like, I know that with most coaches, most coaches will have a free um, initial meeting. Most mortgage brokers will have a free initial meeting. Like it is free to just do some research and start reaching out there. And there's so much momentum that can be built with um, just taking action and so much um, learning that happens even after just that first five-minute chat with a mortgage broker. You know, you're like an expert on mortgage brokering once you have that first meeting. Like it's like I reckon if you can get that and kind of energy. And you can mentor your friends too. Yeah. You could yeah, be a me you mentor. Yeah. yeah. I think um, if I'd offer um, a different view on it is that and maybe this is inspired by one of my um, highly philosophical mentors would be why? Why do you want to buy a house would be my first question or why do you feel the pressure to own a one-bedroom apartment? Um, and getting to the real core of is that someone else's wish that you're uh, adapting yourself to? Is it what you really want? Why do you really work in hospitality? Start asking yourself some real questions about what you want and what a sunny day in five years' time looks like if it was the best possible 
vision that you could have and understand is it the one bedroom in Fitzroy? Is it a five bedroom or is it no? Is it none? Are you traveling around the world? You know, and really helping yourself understand why you're putting these pressures on yourself can also relieve a lot of pain in a lot of areas as well when you realize that perhaps this is someone else's vision that's implanted in my mind and I'm going after something really aggressively when it's actually not internally aligned to what you want to do uh, or what your vision is for yourself as well. So I think always start with why. It's speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I found myself in my late 30s with three businesses, including a 250-seat restaurant, a florist and events, um, 36 with no business partners, no overdraft, nothing. And I was living my dream and I was miserable, <laughs> you know. And it's like, okay, I mean, step one, oh, I'm actually miserable. <laughs> Didn't realise I was. <laughs> step two, okay, what's missing from this picture? What's going on? But, you know, I mean, this really underpins a lot of the work that I do because... I would never say I don't really ha I don't have any regrets around that. But if I had have gotten a bit more clear at the beginning mm. about what it was about a 250 seat restaurant that I really wanted to open in my early 30s, that when everyone else was out having fun, <laughs> um, you know, what is it? I it, I had a good idea, but it wasn't clear enough. Mm. So I think I don't know. You're really speaking my language here. Mm. Any other questions? Um, I sort of want to ask something around, like we've been talking like sort of mentorship from say asking, trying to find a mentor, so from business to business, to try and I just want to get some sort of ideas from you guys as to looking within the business to sort of want someone wanting to appear as a mentor or a coach with inside the business. So, you know, instead of being a, a like a business-minded person wanting to grow my business as someone that wants to sort of gain the the interest from, say, someone who's working within hospitality but might be uh, becoming a scientist or mm. becoming something else to... Do you have any, like, tried and, like, tested sort of methods to gather the attention of, like, many different minds to then apply that to within the hospitality space. Do you mean more like we quite often are looking at artisans in craft? So if we're talking about hospitality and wanting to be the best at something, we might bring in a leather maker and ask them to talk about their craft to our team. What is, what is it then the beauty and the simplicity of what you do that makes this beautiful product so it sort of brings a way it breaks down our processes of how we deliver a product. Yeah, there's a, it's amazing how industries overlap. Like, it's at the core of it, um, there's so much similarities. So it's sort of identifying, you know, with that scientist, it's like what's the, um, the, the quality within that that you feel has an applicable use in, in hospitality or interests you. Um, and digging deeper on those things, that's why you... you probably watch a broad range of documentaries because you're interested in different things and um, you can if you can create those similarities and value for people in your team as well to come along for the ride then I'm sure everyone will be of great benefit for it. Yeah well if you're just thinking scientists as an example and they're so precise with everything and you're a mixologist yeah. listening to them talk about their craft 
makes you understand why it's so important that somebody can completely fuck up a cocktail with exactly the same recipe between two different people because they didn't apply the same craft to it. I told you I was going to swear. It always happens. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's okay. But, like, true creative and competitive edge comes from the intersection or the collision of two things that may not have already been put together. Um, I've never been a hospitality purist. I've always been interested in... I mean, one of the reasons I sold my restaurant was because I wanted to go to the opera. I was like, I never get to go to the opera. I don't know anything about opera, really, but I was like, there's other things out there, you know? Um, I remember one of the first Grow um, events that I went to for anyone who used to go to the Grow events. It was... Um, Mike, was it one of yeah, Michael's Michael events? Yeah, And I think one of the ones that I went to in Sydney, he brought in a group of emergency ward nurses. It was here in Melbourne, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, was yeah. it in Once, Melbourne? Yeah, midwives, yeah. Um, and oh, that was so cool. Like, just the idea of, like, like, what you can learn about yourself and what you do under pressure and in high, fast-paced environments um, and how there's similarities and what there's differences. Like, those kind of insights, I think, uh, you can only get from putting together two things that are not typically put together. Do we have time for one more question, Tim? Yeah. Uh. Thanks. Hi, my name's Julia. Um, I recently closed down my restaurant after five years after facing many of the problems discussed by Shannon. So, Shannon, that goes straight to my heart. Um, I'm now looking at future career opportunities, including possibly business coaching. So, I've got a couple of questions for mainly Beck. Um, firstly, how did you find your first client in your business coaching business? And how long did it take you to build up the business to a point where you felt you were at full capacity? Um, congratulations on selling your business and having a business for five years. I didn't, I didn't sell it, I just closed it. Oh, well, congratulations well, on five well, years. Well, I think it's like dog years, isn't high it? On a high. We, we Restaurant years are bang. like dog years. It's yeah. like 35 years, I think it's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's, I didn't want to be a coach. Like, I, I think I've been coaching for eight years now. I still don't want to be a coach. Like, <laughs> there's, there was a lot of reluctance, um, which I think was good. Like, I read a lot to start off with. Um, my first client is in the room here, but I don't coach and tell. So, like, if they want to reveal themselves, they're welcome to. Um, but I guess... I don't know, full load. I work for myself, so it ebbs and flows all the time is the real answer. Um, December and January are quiet, <laughs> like any contractor. Um, loads get full, too full, then I can handle it sometimes and then and the opposite. Um, I hope I'm answering that helpfully. How did I get my first client? Um, I, I used to do... I've always had two careers, so I did marketing consulting while I was working in hospitality. I always did both, so I started to sort of work in consulting-style work um, and then just started meeting with people and listening to them. Like, most people know the answers so to the So, would you say it was there. something you built up on the side while doing other things? Uh, no, I went... That happened to me... Like, I tried to retire with no money 
after I sold my restaurant and um, people, I, a few people just started reaching out to me. I was, I was about 36, so it's sort of the age where a lot of my friends were wanting to go out on their own. So people were just reaching out for advice and I would say that what I was doing in the beginning was mentoring. Like, sorry? Alessandra, you're very generous. I don't um, it's very flattering being asked advice. Um, it takes a lot more um, skill to not, not take that personally and really look back at the person and say, what is it about this question that is, what's it telling us about you and what you really want to know and what you really want? So that's a skill that, like, I developed over years of training and... Um, and education. Um, I don't know if I'm answering this question very well at no, all. No, that's great. Thank you very um, much. I'm, I'm more than happy to have a chat, like, afterwards or give you my email. You can send me an email and we oh, can chat awesome. further if you yeah, want any time. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, we should make time to have a drink and a snack and more conversations. But will you join me in thanking Kate, Roscoe and Beck? Thanks also to Tim for organising this and everybody at Worksmith, including Roscoe. Um, I think it's, it's really important to honour a space for these conversations and I definitely think one thing we could all probably take from tonight is it's really important to take the time to reflect, uh, to be vulnerable and, um, yeah, thanks for bringing your whole selves this evening. Really great conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you definitely enjoyed that one. And as we said at the start of the podcast, this is the first of about seven or eight special episodes that we're going to release in 2023 in collaboration with Worksmith. You can find more about Worksmith at worksmith.io. Now, always, we'd love you to share and comment and like and do all those things to make sure this podcast gets heard by more people in the hospitality industry. So we really appreciate you doing that as well. Until next time, stay well, everyone.